Welcome to episode three of Baz Chat. This is where me, Kevin Wright and Baz Schneider, fan engagement consultant and expert, chat about marketing, commercial and activations with a fan engagement flavour. This month, we look at the known unknown of what happens after COVID and the return of fans to stadiums, focusing on whether brands will pull back from their involvement in clubs, season ticket no-shows and why we both think that in rebuilding a commercially viable club, dialogue will matter more. If you enjoy this, have a look at our other episodes, Uh, out every Tuesday when I chat about fan engagement with a whole plethora of people in the field, including chief executives, owners, supporter liaison officers, public relations and marketing experts and politicians. Search fan engagement pod. Don't forget, Baz Chat will return to the regular date of the last Thursday of every month for the scheduled March episode. Listen via the usual channels, search fan engagement pod and join the fan engagement network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash join. Don't forget, as a listener to the Fan Engagement Pod, we would love you to just take a couple of minutes of your day to fill in the quick survey. Please head to tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. Let's have a let's. What have you got for me this week? That's the question, or this month, isn't it? Because, um, uh, I should think you've probably been very um preoccupied with the election cycle in in the Netherlands at the moment because obviously you've got general election going on, but I'm sure there's still a lot of football related things churning around in that big head of yours, yeah. and that's a compliment. That big, vast, <laughs> fun engagement size brain, uh, fun engagement brain of yours. What's my what's... brother? My brother always used to make fun of my big head, but <laughs> you're, you're seeing the positive side of it, so that's good. <laughs> so, tell, so tell me, um, what's been, yeah, what's what have you been thinking about this, this sort of you know, last month? You've had an extra week this month, yeah, it's been five weeks since six weeks since we last recorded. Um, you've been a busy man, so t- tell me, tell me about what's been going on. Yeah, so I've had plenty of time to do extra homework, so which I did. Um, no, I'm I've, obviously which most sports organizations are are thinking about is how are we going to return back to the new normal, if that is uh, of course going to arrive at some point. Uh, let's just for now still assume it is. Uh, I'm very jealous of all the footage that I see from Australia, from New Zealand, uh, bars open, people going into full yeah stadiums to full capacity amazing and in europe we will get that at some point as well and then like we're now in general politics not considering an environmental crisis anymore but we're only focused on the pandemic as soon as that's uh gone we will focus back on the old problems that we had before corona we will still go back in sports as well back to the problems that we had before corona so what were one of those problems uh, is a lot of no-show behavior among season ticket holders. Um, and 
I'm, I'm, I'm talking, say, a year after stadiums are allowed to open up again, because people, of course, will still be frightened at first to get back to the stadium. Season ticket sales will decline massively, uh, yeah, because it's, yeah, you can ask one year for people to pay, say, uh, I don't know, 500 pounds, 500 euros a year to support the team. Uh, to support the club uh, financially. But if this is going to happen a second time this summer, uh, then I think a lot of people are going to drop out. Meaning, um, we'll get back into to building up our, our regular fan base that comes to the, the stadium regularly on a season ticket. And a lot of behaviors that we see, mostly with the top clubs, Ajax has a big problem with that here in Amsterdam, for example, is no-show behavior. So explaining as people that do have a season ticket, but the, they do not decide to show up. And this is a big problem uh, in, uh, in sports, not only because it's, um, it makes the stadium look 80% full, where it should, it's 100% sold out. So there's a fake capacity uh, there, or ghost capacity, you could uh, call it. But also, of course, that it costs clubs a lot of money. Uh, it's not nice for fans to look at a lot of empty seats especially the ones that are sitting at home, seeing so many empty seats in, in the stand, knowing that that seat is blocked for someone, but he's not sitting there. So, and clubs have been trying to play around with this for quite, quite some time by uh, setting up um, platforms where you could exchange season tickets, where season ticket holders at least get a bit of money back for it. But yeah, that also helps season ticket brokers uh, in, into a bit of a, yeah, into a bit of a, a luxury position as they can, they will have dips on the best, uh, best games. And then the other ones, they just kind of get their money back, um, for that. Um, okay. So, so what this, the, the no show thing, right? Um, how, how much is that related to uh, or how how much you're talking about the drop uh, an anticipated drop off in season ticket sales and yes. when when the season begins is going to be a big thing because you know it's going to coincide of course over here um, the prime minister with his usual um, some might say over optimism suggesting that everything's going to be normal by June the thirteenth or whatever it was where we heard that before. Um, well, so far he's leading the vaccination dance. Well, let's get into conversations about that. But anyway, <laughs> point point being merely that we don't we don't know yet when football is going to return mm -hmm. as a spectator sport, right? Um, and so clubs selling season tickets um, are going to be doing so not knowing when you know the normal season ticket sale period begins you know, sort of very early the, the following, you know, the next... March, um, April, mostly. Yeah, the next year. It begins yeah. begins in the sort of, you know, say March, March I was going to say sort of February, March time, March, April time um, for seasons, for the season beginning, well, over here, beginning in early August, but that, you know, whenever, August, September, whatever. Um, how much of a... How much of a dropped ball has been the 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 lack of what i see certainly as a sort of lack of engagement over the period since football started again after after the period where there was no sport being played at all mm -hmm. has it been a bit of a drop ball by clubs that they've immediately got on with talk, 
talking about what's been going on the pitch and not remembering that they've got this commercial activity that's necessary to generate interest for the next season and that that's going to be even more important and how they engage now is going to be really important to the bottom line because you've got a season that might not quite start as we expect. It might not have the levels of people at the game. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. So people need to throw resources and time into thinking about how to keep that relationship going because this is bottom line stuff in the end. This is income. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah. Yeah, well, this, yeah. this is income and that that's the thing. I mean, again, we, we currently we're in a corona crisis. No, barely any country in, in Europe at least uh, allows fans inside the stadiums and that will slowly build up 25, 50%, 75%, 100% capacity. Now, getting to that 100% capacity is utopia because I think that in the beginning, everyone will, will get, get, uh, show some sort of a compensation behavior on, hey, we haven't had an event for so long, let's go there. But as soon as you've done that once, twice, the compensation phase, the extra bubble is over. So you return to your old normal pre-corona. And that reality shows that there's a lot of uh, no-show behavior, which is a problem for clubs. Because, for example, if a season ticket holder does not only buy a season ticket uh, to, to go to a game, but he also spends, say, £10 per game on drinks or on food, for example. Now, if you have a 1,000 season ticket holders that don't spend that £10 each game because they choose, that they, they choose for example, that five games a season they will not visit, those numbers quickly add up. And that is a commercial problem for clubs as well. But that's the commercial side, the, 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 the fan side as well. And there's, I've, I've read a couple of researches by this, this German, um, uh, German professor, Dominic Schreier. He does a lot of research, academic research on fan behaviors, fan engagement, no-show behaviors, etc. He quickly came with a research um, after the first lockdown that home advantage disappears when there or when you when uh, amount of fans go down so that is also a crucial element a stadium that is full pushes the team more towards sportive success than a, than a stadium that is only 80% full 70% full for example and that's that's scientifically proven so apart from only the commercial part there's also the sportive part that needs a full stadium Okay, and and so so that um, um, I haven't I, ha I confess I haven't listened to it yet. But Darren McCanton is the uh, the 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 chairman of um, Peterborough, um, or should I say, his, his name is I think commonly known the outspoken chairman of Peterborough. But he's you know he's someone who's not scared of talking about things that I think a lot of people are scared of talking about. And one of those things I've noticed is he's done. He, he uh, just a tweet flashed up earlier um, about the road the the roadmap. You know, and and mm -hmm. clearly that's talking about you know, the, the the map out of out of the out of the health crisis and how yeah. clubs, you know, how I don't want to read too much into a single tweet, but how much clubs, you know, what clubs are going to have to do to get out of where they are because commercially, you know, we all obviously, you know, I talk about fan engagement as a as a necessary good, as something you need to do, mm -hmm. um, but what we're always trying to focus on here particularly is the commercial angle of it and actually why getting fan engagement right matters to your bottom line, even if the period of translation can take a little longer, that if you invest in good relationships, it does, it does result in a better 
bottom line. It just that just takes time and, and facts from all the other fact. industries. But you wouldn't think it fact. But you wouldn't think it sometimes. Ah. So how much is this? Um, you know, you're talking about what is essentially it's going to be a spluttering restart mm-hmm. that we're not. You know, and everyone I talk to, whether it's Premier League or League Two, um, chief executive or you know middle management. Or, or consultant or marketing guru, whoever, we're all saying that we're expecting liftoff to be quite tentative. Okay. There'll be all sorts of reasons why people won't feel comfortable immediately. Even if, mm-hmm. you know, even if we've all been, even if we've all been vaccinated, yeah. there's going to be a worry about it because, you know, there'll be a worry about the last minute winner. Do we embrace the person next to us like we always used to? Or do we, you know, we're a bit more reticent. Do we want to be ne- right next to someone or do we need at least a meter space, even if yeah. we've been vaccinated? So <clears throat> if it's going to be a spluttering start for the actual sporting side and you know season ticket sales and we're, we're concerned about no shows and no buys, I would say, non-renewals, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're talking about the discretionary spend, weren't you, of the extra £10 a match on whatever it is. Um do you sense there might be a bit of reticence from commercial organisations, brands, companies, um, in you know, and what their spend is going to be on sponsorship, on on marketing and activation, that they're going to be standing back and waiting to see what happens to some extent with the return and whether you know what is what's you know to put it in that sort of horrible brute commercial term, what's the product going to be? You know, when 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 football comes back properly, not this, frankly, mythical fairy tale game that we see at the moment, which just mm-hmm. doesn't bear any resemblance to what we all got brought up watching and we were watching until a year or so ago. You know, what is the what is it we're going to be sponsoring? What are we going to be activating after this? Do, do you sense there might be some some so as, as I said, reticence some you know, some slow. Well, let's just see what happens here first before we make a decision. Um, and companies big 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 question yeah i think I like that big ones, Baz. <laughs> i think that um the product football is has definitely changed because the fans yeah we i don't have to say that in this podcast we all know that that the fans are the crucial element in the product there's no there's we've seen that the fans are being um being added in a very plastic way to TV broadcasts uh, with with audio, uh, etc. And everyone knows that that's not the real thing. So it's now just a cold, big concrete box where a football game is being played in. And without those fans, it remains that cold concrete box. So the product itself, the value of the product has declined a lot. Uh, though the TV product has increased, because uh, the, the value of the TV product has increased because there's there's it's the only way that you can now see the football match and that you can still talk about it, etc. Is because you've seen it on TV, not because you've been there. But um, when it comes to sponsorships, I think that that the largest sponsors, the largest sponsors, the the multinationals, they will probably rethink their sponsorship strategies, but they will remain connected to the biggest clubs that have global reach to the Manchester United, Chelsea's, etc. They will not step out that easily. What concerns me is the layer under. There's a lot of um, clubs that are not these top clubs, but are just 
very strong in local regional presence. And those clubs have small business owners that are part of hospitality, uh, of the hospitality group, for example, or uh, the mid layer of sponsorships and not the top layer, the visible ones, but the mid layer of sponsorships, those are mostly local businesses that that are experiencing extreme difficulties now because of the Corona crisis and they need to hold on to every source of revenue or source of income that they have to keep the business floating. So one of the first things they're going to cut off is the extra expenses. And that is, of, of course, hospitality tickets. So that's B2B sales, but that's also local sponsorships uh, with local football clubs. So I'm, I'm quite concerned that there's still going to be a huge flow of, of bankruptcies of local businesses, which are now being kept alive you call these zombie businesses because the by the government they're being kept alive but they cannot support this lifestyle on their own so as soon as the government pulls pulls out a massive flow of of uh, bankruptcies is going to happen um and that's of course going to have a huge effect on yeah on, on the commercial income of sports clubs as well football clubs and uh a lot of bankruptcies means a lot of unemployment unemployment means hey uh let me skip this season uh, let me skip the season ticket this year or next year because i have trouble uh keeping my head above water so there's there's going to be a lot of um there's still a lot of financial problems that are gonna occur which is both on b2b and b2c side two football clubs which yeah i i i fear for the worst Hi, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs, Match Day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. It's quite the list. Uh, Match Day Digital brings football content and supporters together in a single app which allows clubs and other publishers to deliver their content to a much wider audience than they would through their own print or digital sites and apps all especially relevant obviously during this covid era you can download the app on google play and apple store go to matchdaydigital.co.uk for more and if you're a club drop the fellas over there a line they're really friendly and i'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs is there is is there a sort of a sense that there are some clubs that commercially will be better prepared for this because I don't know, maybe they've thought more about their front of shirt sponsorship, for example, or their front of shirt partner, whatever you want to call it, that um, that where they've explored, where they've where they've got um, um, partnerships and sponsorships, um, you know, maybe they went for a slightly lower offer for a longer period, for example, and that the business concerned, you know, has has put that money aside and 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 can cope with that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas there are some that went for big bucks, you know, like some in senses, you know, I'm not comparing like with like, but say, you know, some senses a bit like, you know, what happened with France in front French football, trying to, um, you know, having a massive TV deal. Um, and the company went bust the company behind the deal went bust. Whereas if you'd gone for someone who was more, who was more stable mm-hmm. and longer term, then you weren't placing such, you, there wasn't such a risk. You know, it's like it, like it was with ITV Digital over here. You know, it was a it was a brand new TV channel 
that poured money into it, thought they yeah. could make the Sky TV model, did it at a lower level and it didn't work. And a lot of clubs nearly went bust. Yeah. You know, is there, a, is there a sense that there are some clubs that commercially will be more robust because they thought this out? Or is this a sort of perfect storm that to, to some degree, no one's really going to be able to avoid the effects of it. This is, a, this is going to be more about, you know, whether there are people there to help you know, whether they will, well, maybe this is where good fan engagement will come in and commercial yeah. um, side will have to take a, a, a sidestep. Step it can actually be about fans sustaining their football clubs through whatever they can do. So clubs are, um, clubs are not, not as, as, as agile as regular businesses are, I believe, after this corona crisis. I mean, sports teams and football teams have always been used to putting themselves in a huge debt where regular industries are more trained into balancing what are your expenses and what is your income and how do you balance that well enough we see as well with um with now the news of this morning for example on the day of uh, of recording this uh, podcast that uh, that in barcelona the the president has been uh, uh, the president has been been arrested. Um, there, there's we've seen more ways of mismanagement within football uh, uh, clubs spending way more money than they actually should have. Uh, so after this, um, after we experience the pullback from from the the national governments on their their support for local businesses, I feel that a lot of local businesses will will uh, either go bankrupt or will experience a very, very difficult uh, start, which will definitely have its effects on the, on the club, uh, club's income as well. Because as we discussed before, there's a lot of small local businesses that spent, it used to be, uh, used to spend money at, at football clubs and they will pull back from that. They will basically say, okay, you know what? I need the money myself first. Let's, let's cut on all these luxury expenses and we'll go back to the core first. So clubs will have a lot of problems. Uh, I think that will happen. And, and to be honest, uh, as I said, clubs are not always as, as good in, in handling financially difficult times, which this is going to be a big one. So a lot of clubs are going to go bankrupt themselves as well. And to be completely honest, most clubs are also run like local businesses. Luckily, the Manchester United and the Chelsea's, they do have more uh, liquidity to actually be able to, to pay, to, to have, they have a buffer to, to they're, they're, they will still suffer from this crisis, but at least they have a buffer that they can, um, um, that they can consume from. But smaller clubs, there's also big, big, um, big risk here in the Netherlands that a lot of small local regional clubs will go bankrupt because simply they do not have any buffer because they're, they've never built that up in the financially good times because where a regular company says, okay, I have money, I will start to invest it into my, my, my company making more profit. Clubs have been doing this in the last 10 years on, hey, I have more money, I have some money left over this year, let's start investigating players. And players are assets that are being devalued very, very quickly. So either they increase a lot in value and you're very lucky. Reality is most of them devalue um, and they will not have any yeah, continuous, um, sort they do not guarantee a continuous source of income for you each year. Yeah. So that investment is very short term and it will never give you a guarantee that it, it, it still has that value in two years, three years, five years, where regular businesses, if they buy a new 
piece of machinery, it will continue to generate more profits for you over the long run. So that's yeah. that's a bit of a small economics thought. Okay. Um, and you what you wanted to come back to the no shows, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. So let's step over this problem. Let's say we, we ignore this problem for now. We go two years further ahead in the future and we get back to the regular uh, regular uh, problems that we had, the luxury problems, no-shows. Um, and that's, that's what I've, I've, I've read a, uh, last week. I've read a very interesting article about this uh, by this Dominic Schreier, um, a professor at the WHU University in Germany. Who has um, who's researched no-show behavior in German uh, in the Bundesliga, for example, and and it triggered my interest because I, I remember that around four years ago, Shelton Vigo one time got got fined by the uh, by the La Liga for not having enough fans inside the stadium. So the league organizers also understand that getting more fans into the stadium has a lot of value. It's not only for uh, what I said, the home field advantage, it's not only for the commercial revenue, but it's also for the TV product. And the TV product is still more and more important. So very important to have the stands that ha that are in sight, uh, that are part of the broadcast, they need to be filled. And this is something I remember from, from AZ as well. We were constantly wor working on how can we decrease, um, how can we decrease no-show uh, sometimes you had around 16% on the top games. You had 1%, only the people that really had no, um, no opportunity to come to the stadium. But it could easily happen that on a wrong day, you would have 20% no-show. And just to give you some comparison, this, this, this paper also made the comparison of football in other industries where, for example, uh, FC Basel uh, shows a 30% no-show on average, which is quite high, I would say. Uh, the, the Bundesliga, by the way, is the, the league with the lowest no-shows. After that, it's the Dutch Eredivisie. So that's interesting as well. But uh, if you compare to other industries, for example, healthcare industry, if you go to a doctor, 23% um, no-show on doctor's appointments. Quite high. Uh, some specialisms uh, had up to 80%. I, I assume that's a dentist, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, restaurants also have up to 20% no-shows. So this is not a football unique situation. Uh, restaurant bookings, I've done it myself, to be honest, as well. I thought it was going to go uh, out for dinner later that night, got into a fight with my girlfriend in the afternoon, skipped, uh, skipped the dinner, never, never canceled the, the appointment with the restaurant so, or the booking. Airlines have the same problem, 6 to 10%. And they've actually started to manage this by overbook an, an airplane they they work easily with 105 percent capacity because they know that a lot of people i assume especially in the budget uh, airline section that a lot of people will not show up so they have very clever algorithms to determine on which flight how many tickets can they can or can they not sell so again this is not a situation you need to football but if airlines have six to ten percent restaurants up to twenty percent football clubs also balance around 20%. There's definitely tactics that can be learned from other industries uh, to apply. So what are the tactics? Well, there, there's a couple of, there's, first you need to understand, of course, why do people not show up? 
uh, even if they have a season ticket, even if they spend 500 pounds for a season ticket or in the in Dutch comparison, say 300 euros uh, for a season ticket, there's a couple of um, couple of things because the first of all, it's damaging because of course it, it decreases your catering revenues as we've discussed before. It declines the home field advantage as we've discussed before. So um, during the Corona crisis now, no home fans, chances are 50-50, where if you actually play in a full stadium and as an away team, you need to go somewhere and, and you're playing against the, not only the opponent, but also it's 50,000 fans. That's, that's impressive. That's something you have to battle as well. Now, what drives no-show behavior uh, is a couple of things. If fans predict that the home team will win anyways. So where the, the, the difference between win percentage is so high, Man United against, I don't know, uh, tier four team, probably Man United, maybe, uh, will win it. If the average, uh, for example, if, if the match is not being promoted well enough, means a lot of fans will, or, or some fans will le are less likely to turn up. Uh, to the game. If the match is not a regional derby, regional derby, derbies always sell well, always. Uh, if matches are played midweeks, if matches are played mid-season, I saw that at AZ as well. In the beginning of the season, the first two, three games, you were always suffering from people still being on uh, on the holidays. Then, say, after the holidays, there, it was, there was a slight uptick. Uh, and then after that, say around the winter time, it gets cold inside the stadium, but also there's still simply no narrative in the league yet. So those are the boring games. They're the, those are the games you have to get through to get to the second half of the season. And that's also one of the predictors this, uh, that this research showed that second half of the season games show a way lower no-show than the ones in the first half of the season. But I already talked about extreme weather conditions, distance to the pitch, also big predictor we've seen at, uh, at the club where I worked as well. The further people live from the stadium, the more likely they are to skip games. Uh, age is important. Young people are less likely to uh, skip a game than older people. Um, yeah, if a spectator does not live in the whole city, we've sort of discussed as well, and, if, and after a shock. They call it an exogenous shock, which is, for example, a terroristic attack in Paris, for example, on the stadium. After that, you see a big decline in show, of course, but that slowly fades over time. And that's what I predict is going to happen with this COVID situation as well. As soon as we can go back, there's a lot of fear still, but that will slowly fade away over time until you get to your natural, natural attraction levels again. Now, what can you do um, with this? It's, it's, of course, firstly very valuable to understand how do um what can the data tell me if you've collected this data for three se three seasons you can already make a rough estimation okay which factors that i just mentioned are determinants for me as well as a club uh which age groups which how far they're living from the stadium etc etc now th this you can do by just simply connecting your turnstile data to your CRM and you get insights from that. Now, suggested strategies that they did in this paper as well is um, try to treat the, the, the immediate cost. So, for example, reduce the amount of season tickets that are available anyways. Uh, implement a reminder system. Hey, great that you're coming next week to the stadium. Uh, just to keep it 
in front of your brain. Um, in, there, there's been a couple of a uh, couple of other uh, tactics uh, that I've seen throughout the years as well by positive by uh, for example uh, installing is incentive systems like uh, giving points if you do go to games, but also negative uh, incentives like Dortmund does, for example, that if you do not show up an X percentage of the games that you have a season ticket for, you'll be taken off the list that summer and someone else can take your spot. So that's also a very interesting one, but works only with the biggest but, clubs. So it's recognizing, it seems to me, it's recognizing that whilst yes, um, fans will commit to foot to a club in a way that they won't do with most other businesses or organizational brands that they engage with. Mm -hmm. They will still, still because of partly because of individual circumstances, but partly because of the way um, people do and do make do and do not make decisions about what they do with their lives. They will miss matches. They won't. You know, there are people who go to every single game over a 30 year period. I know some of them, I've met them. I know, mm -hmm. I know, I know some of them at my own club. A lot of us will exhibit when it comes to matches will sometimes exhibit normal, quite normal consumer behavior. We're not going to go to that one. I can't be bothered. Yeah. I've, I've done that. So that's normal. But if you have that for 20% of the games, a club suffers from that, not only commercially as we discussed, but also sportively, you want yes. to have, uh, you want to, work towards that 100% capacity at all and, times. And we're going to need to realise that not only is it the purchase, not only is it the sporting advantage on the pitch, not only is it the actual um, fact that you're spending money that the seat isn't then occupied, in, that actually there's an advantage there. You could actually additionally resell that seat if you know in advance that the person can't be there or save over here, you can save VAT on it, for example. Um, you can get your VAT return, which I know some clubs have, have instituted a scheme like that. You've also got you've also got the discretionary spend. So it looks to me like what clubs are going to have to be doing over the next year, well, over you know the next year, eighteen months, two years, three years, they're going to have to get very creative, mm -hmm. very mindful um, that they're going to have to start appealing to fans again and actually listening. Uh, actually um, recognising that customer part of them. Yeah. That the, you know, and, and also recognising that as far as a fan goes, the more contact you have with, with them um, and the more engagement you have with them, the more likely fans are to respond positively. And exactly. whether that is, okay, I'll let you resell my seat, or whether it is, oh, no, I'll turn up to the match and I'll spend my money and... Exactly. Do not stop the communication after the ticket is purchased, after a product is purchased, and then they don't hear from you anymore as soon as the oh, as soon as they have to renew their season ticket. But make sure your communication is continuous throughout the season because retention does not start two months before uh, they need to spend money again. Retention starts on the day of purchase plus one. That is the moment when you start investing in the relationship. And this is, this is the difference where fan engagement, uh, why fan engagement is so important is because fan engagement acknowledges that relationship part where the, if you think of fans as a commercial entity that just need to spend their money, you do not think of fans as a relationship piece 
but every every human interaction which this is okay you're a club but you're communicating with a human needs to have this this relation relationship bit in it you need to send them an email on their birthday hey great that you're here congratulations on your birthday thanks that you were here this match for example uh post the with post game emailings uh as they said implement a reminder system a week before the game hey uh there's got to be some predicted traffic jams uh for the next game just surfacing that part of the experience uh, other than just accepting the, the bit of cash from the fan will help you commercially as a club as well. So it, it definitely is rewarding to invest in these type of relationship building activities. Don't forget, as a listener to the Fan Engagement Pod, we would love you to just take a couple of minutes of your day to fill in the quick survey. Please head to tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod.